to and it's Wednesday so that means it is time for Cruzanne McAlligan to join us with her audio column and Cruz is joining us through the miracle of WhatsApp technology today. So Cruz, welcome to the program. Hi, Karen. Yeah, what's up? It sounds like I'm going to text my column in today. <laughs> I'm just going to do it in bite-sized tweets. Exactly. Like I'll be reading it out like, bit by bit by bit. Um, how so are you doing? Is, I'm okay. Um, you know, I managed to get here in amazingly record time today and uh, I drove and miraculously broadcast drive was the last street that I could turn into before the road was blocked. So I'm very lucky. Wow. So what have you got um, for us today, Cruz? Uh, we're going to be talking about audiences. Oh. Um, and you might say, why are we talking about audiences? Which is a great question. Uh, so I think um, a little bit inspired, I don't really want to use the word inspired, triggered maybe by current events. Um, I've been thinking a lot about audience recently, and mm-hmm. especially because um, I don't know if you get this, but with things that are happening, and I'm not going to obviously comment on them, but things that are happening at the moment, um, I often get like a Facebook notification that there's like a watch party. Have you seen that? Yes, like, I have seen that. There's yes. a watch party. Yeah. Yes. So and people will little, say, oh, join a watch party. There's a little popcorn icon that goes with that. Yes. And it's, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's basically that multiple people that you know through your network or, or groups you're in have all watching the same thing at the same time, right? Yeah. Whatever live coverage that is, right? So this is an interesting concept for me um, because when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about that idea of like a watch party in that you're kind of joining an audience in a way mm. when you do that. Mm-hmm. But then what, what does that really mean in, in terms of the fact that um, you're not, in an audience, a traditional audience, if um, you know you, you haven't gone and sat next to someone, you don't know, you can't feel the energy of that audience. Right, you can't yes. sense what other people are feeling or thinking or their reactions. All you could do is see kind of this train of comments sliding up next to whatever you're watching together, mm-hmm. which is very, which is very bizarre if you think about a traditional audience. Right. So, uh, you know, usually we're watching something together with another group of people. Then it's, um, um, then we, um, you you get a sense of how the rest of the group feel. But in this day and age, we're very divorced from that. We're very divorced from that human element of what others are feeling in the audience that we're taking part in. So that's kind of what made me think a little bit about audience and do a bit of research into it. So we can talk a little bit about the history of an audience because it has changed a lot through history. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to start, you know, it's just participatory crowds, groups sitting kind of behind an imaginary line, silently observing performers or public events, for example, maybe like, I don't know, burning a witch at a stake, that kind of idea is <laughs> when I kind of think about like the history of audience maybe. Um, but of course, uh, that that's always um, that's that audience is continually growing and changing, and there's always been a need for for human beings to to communicate our wants, our needs, our perceptions, our disagreements to other people, and the need to communicate is the foundation of art, I would argue, and the foundation of, for example, theatre and performances relationship to an audience. Right. So we're going to talk about audiences in terms of like art. So you can't just really art needs an audience to be art. I think a little bit. You yeah. kind of need someone to observe. That's right? true. If you have no audience, then so, what's the point? Exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and I think there'd be very few artists that you speak to today who say, I create this just for myself and only for myself if they consider art as their occupation. You know, if they're never going to show anyone their work, mm. it seems like a strange thing. Like the audience needs to be present. So if we think about um, this sort of history of audiences, 
Um, of course, we can go way back into history and we can look at, for example, Greek uh, Greek performances, the ancient Greeks. And of course, this is where we have the sort of first recorded plays that come from the Greeks. This is the 4th and 5th century BCE. And this is the same idea of you have the celebration. So they have things like harvest festivals, you know, celebrations of Dionysus. He was the god of wine in Greek culture, um, ancient Greece. Um, and so you have all of these spectators who have a huge deal of kind of respect for their gods. So there's a reverence and a feeling of reverence in being audience member and flocking to a theater to experience a full day of celebration and knowing that it's going to be more impactful and powerful for you to be part of an audience to mark that occasion there's something i mean even when we have chinese new year in hong kong people rarely celebrate it alone by themselves with one little candle on a roof you know like right. you want to be part of you want to be part of a group a part of an audience to, to see what's happening um and of course this um the fact that Greek theatre was pretty over the top anyway, and there was a lot of drama and a lot of songs, a lot of lively crowd, they still had, uh, they had crowd control measures. They had ushers. Okay. They had people who patrolled the aisles to keep rowdiers under control. Um, and then, um, but while the theatre was free, you know, you could go and watch these plays. Anyone could go watch these plays. Um, where you sat determined your station in life. So mm. your element of who you were. So the rich had their cushion seats at the front, while peasants, artisans, and women, naturally, were forced to take seats at the back. The nosebleed um, section. <laughs> exactly. And um, so this is, so anyway, so this, um, so this is obviously, so it's very hierarchical being part of an audience, even in quite like a, a sort of like a, a society like ancient Greece. And then you, of course, go to the Romans and they have this idea of spectators. So that's a bit different from mm -hmm. audience. We think, we think spectators, we think of sports. Yes. And Spartacus. of course, exactly. Yes. And so, um, they have this thing of, you know, uh, violent spectator sports like gladiator fights and public executions. You could just go and join the audience to watch those things as well, which, again, I think would be hopefully, you know, we never have to see these things again. Yes. But you think it must have been a, a fascinating thing because, again, you're getting that sense of uh, that, that feeling you get from being in a large group witnessing the same event together. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and of course, in Asia, um, we've actually found um, it's not just limited to the Western world. In Asia, uh, audience and theatre develop very much in the same way through sort of initially agricultural fest festivals, religious worship. Um, Chinese and Japanese audiences um, had very distinct forms of theatre as well. So, like Chinese operas could last anywhere between a full day and three days. Um, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> huge to go and sit with a group of strangers. And again, the audience was separated. The higher classes got closer to the action of the play and the lower classes generally allowed a more talkative bunch would be placed in the, the stalls at the very back and mm -hmm. and of course um, and people were participatory in those audiences a lot of the time they were and just the same as uh, ancient Greek ancient Rome they would they would chat they, if they weren't happy with the performance they would comment they would yell they would say something um, which is very different to how we would go to the theatre today mm. unless someone told us we were out to yell at the performers <laughs> I guess it's the, um, the equivalent of the watch party where people are making comments on Facebook exactly exactly and that's what the kind of the funny kind of I mean obviously I I don't want to think about current events as a performance or mm. something that we're doing for you know we're witnessing for enjoyment hopefully no one's witnessing it for enjoyment but um there is that element of that kind of uh, bizarre sort of yelling out mm. um and comment uh, commenting on everything but our audiences are changing enormously and um if we talk about them mainly in terms of like um of art specifically 
they, they, as I mentioned, the arts have always needed an audience, but those audiences have changed. And um, one really interesting example that was I found in my research was this idea that, you know, Vincent van Gogh, for example, if you go to the Vincent van Gogh Museum, you probably come out and be like, wow, I kind of have had my fill of swirly, whirly skies and at the moment. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of done. Like, that was a lot of swirly, whirly skies, right? right? He never created those works to have that audience, to be a warehouse of his work side by side for masses of public to come through and see. Mm. That wasn't that wasn't the way that he created his work. And if we look through history, a lot of artists um, used to have a much more intimate relationship between their their, um, their work and the public. Um, and of course, you know, there's like good and bad reasons for that, of course. If you think you're creating something for like a patron, which used to happen in once upon a time, you know, you'd have a, a patron, you would create portraits for them, you'd yes. do works for them and, and they would um, commission you and, and that would be it. And of course, they, you'd have an audience for your work through them, I suppose, but you were kind of thinking of making one person happy in a way, kind of like a client, right? right. So for some artists, you had, you had your patron, you had your client. And now um, we have this, uh, this phenomenon where today, um, you you know a lot of uh money is involved with the production of art any kind of art film theater photography um painting and so if you think if if you have to think that more than one person will get something out of looking at this painting otherwise it's not financially viable to create the piece anymore mm-hmm. um so it's it's a really um but at the same time a lot of these things that used to be really inaccessible to the average person you've got like incredible like operas stuff like that there was a lot of uh, hierarchy of class involved in these things um now audiences have kind of gone back to being quite intimate with the work as well so once upon a time you wanted to go watch an incredible um an amazing opera in an opera house and they think the first ones uh, came around in about 1637 so that was a long time ago yeah. um you know you could um you could go but you not everyone could go they weren't accessible to everybody and then of course um so and then now uh, you can listen to an opera on spotify on your mobile phone by yourself on a minibus and you don't have to be part of an audience anymore to experience some of the same um it's the same works. Mm, yeah. So there's a, uh, it's a bit more democratic now that people have access to art and, and music and performance. Absolutely. But I think it must be very confusing because you think, well, who are you creating for anymore? And I think there's a little bit of a parallel, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, Karen, when you think about um, that idea of broadcast as well. Mm-hmm. And who is your audience? Like when you're when you're on radio, I mean, we you know have a lot of conversations around who is my audience yes. for what I'm doing. And I, you know, and who am I? Who am I speaking to? Right, um, and we really don't know, do we? Because we, we really don't know. Impossible. But in our minds, there must be someone because it's a bit bizarre if we sit in that room just <laughs> speaking to ourselves. That, that is true. <laughs> well, I know. I know that I have at least three listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it's that idea again of that. Um, you know, who is who is who is witnessing uh, what you're doing? Who is your audience? And I think sometimes um, because uh, this, because of the the sharing of information that we have in our world now, becoming so like so accessible and everything so many places, but we're also quite isolated in ourselves. There's there's a real need to create that kind of human connection. And even though um, again, you know, you, you 
you have you don't know who's listening we don't know who's listening to us right now right. but i think in our minds we have an idea we have we have somebody or some people or some, something that is hopefully hopefully listening to us and hopefully uh, feeling that we're engaging with them um but of course it's it's um it's always interesting to think that who are you who are you trying to cater to and i have a couple of quotes we can end on today to think about that idea a little bit more mm-hmm. about how you think about audience and mainly in a creative a creative space um alfred hitchcock said um you always make the audience suffer as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> that was his aim is that what it was? yeah yeah i think he did it really i yeah. think he met his own i think he met his own target there uh don roth um who's who's a writer said always mystify torture mislead and surprise the audience as much as possible and i wonder if his quote there um is an observation of how when we're willing audience participants we're we have an expectation of something to be out of the ordinary or to be an experience that is heightened because we're in an audience mm, yeah. um in the same way you know if you go to watch um classical music in person you get that even i mean or you'd hope most people would i definitely do get that feeling of butterflies sitting there with everyone else in an auditorium versus opening you know opening a symphony on my phone yes. and plugging into it is not the same true true yeah and um and so um i think maybe that's what he was talking about there um thomas de quincey said um my way of writing is rather to think aloud and follow my own humors than much to consider who is listening to me and if i stop to consider what is proper to be said to this or that person i shall soon come to doubt whether any part at all is proper and i think that's a really a completely a kind of a bit of a different take on it as well that idea of really writing creating for yourself and not thinking too strongly about the audience because of how that can influence what you're doing right exactly at the time um france uh, frank capra said i make i made mistakes in drama so he was a writer director he said i thought drama was when actors cried but drama is when the audience cries oh and and i thought that was quite powerful and um john steinbeck said this which i think is really important for just um any kind of creative and especially for us on radio um he said your audience is one single reader or maybe listener right. i have found that sometimes it helps to pick out one person a real person you know or an imagined person and write to that one and i think that's also another way to create that sense of humanity and connection and intimacy between artist and audience again um but i still do think there is something very powerful in being part of a group audience when you're all um you're all watching something together yeah definitely in one moment when you're at a concert or a performance there's definitely an atmosphere that you can't get when you're just watching it on a screen right Absolutely yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons that people um uh, seek out those experiences and I know Clock and Flap is happening this year in a couple of weeks yes. in Hong Kong and I think that's one of those feelings where you're like you know there's obviously there's a lot of there can be a lot of negativity from being in a crowd and there can be positivity from being in a crowd and I think um that when you're an audience uh, audience member united by an appreciation for something that you're seeing together and experiencing together there's something very powerful about that yeah exactly you know cruz it just occurred to me one of the things you mentioned earlier um about the aristocrats getting the better seats at the front in a way that hasn't changed because the seats at the front are always more expensive than the ones at the back 
Mm. I look, although I would argue that they're not as fun. True. That's <laughs> true. There is a, it's an inverse relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, and I think that comes back to that, that hierarchical thing again of, of a status being your inability to certain status, meaning you, you dampen your true reactions to something, you know, that it's, you know, and, and if you're, and for some reason, if you're not of that highest is, you can't, you know, I mean, people, kings and queens and princes have always tried to hide their emotions from something. You can't be too upset. You can't be this. But then, of course, if you think at the back of the audience, you're like, oh, well, we're all in this together. We'll just <laughs> we can just do whatever we'll we have want. A giggle. We'll giggle through it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's great. Really fascinating. Uh, food for thought, Cruz. Thanks, Karen. So um, I'm not going to be here next week, but hopefully you will be back next week. I believe Sadi is uh, taking over the show next week, and uh, I'll be listening to you. I will be your audience. Why, thank you, Karen. I will be speaking to you. Wonderful. <laughs> and also everyone else. <laughs> so thanks again so much for joining us, Cruz. No worries. Take care. Okay, see you. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Cruzanne McCalligan all about audiences. So for all of my listeners out there, you are my audience.